Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, and I'm accompanied today by my wife, Dorinda Pinkerton, here in the studios of WXAN Radio here on the sun-drenched hills of Ava, Illinois. We are so blessed to be able to come back today and be part of this program and ministry that we can share God's Word with you. So call your friend, get a hold of your family member now, shoot them a text, shoot them an email, give them a call, let them know that the Good Tidings radio broadcast is on. It is 11 o'clock Central Standard Time here, and we're glad that you're tuned in. We hope that you'll tell your friends about the program. You're listening to us on 103.9 FM regionally, and you can listen to us on the Internet at WXANradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on Listen Live. Again, we're honored to be part of this radio ministry, sharing the gospel of Christ, lifting up Jesus, and uh, letting people know how they can grow in Christ as believers through the Word of God and be saved if they're an unbeliever. We're thankful to Brother Danny and Leanne for letting us be part of this ministry. Pray for WXAN Radio and then financially support it. Take it on as a ministry and help them pay down the debt that God has designed for them to take on, in in other words, to get this message of Jesus Christ, redemption, and the Word of God out to a lost world. Now open your Bibles today to Luke chapter number 6. Luke chapter number 6 in the New Testament. And we're going to pick up where we left off from last week. This will be our last installment of a series of messages that we've been bringing And the series has been entitled, Don't Look Now, But Your Attitude is Showing. And we began a few weeks ago in dealing with the attitude of unforgiveness. We looked at that. And then secondly, we looked at the attitude of pride. And then after that, last week, we took a look at the attitude of jealousy. And today we're going to conclude this series by looking at the attitude of of greed, the attitude of greed. And if you'll go to Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, and before we start, we are going to have a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being behind the microphones here at WXAN. Fill us with your spirit now. Help the folks to listen and to not listen only, but be doers of the word. We ask you to save the lost, strengthen the saved in the inner man, And Lord, do a revolutionize and revive our hearts to be refocused upon Jesus Christ, our King of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you with thanksgiving for what you're about to do and have done already. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 38. Very familiar passage of Scripture. And this will revolutionize your life if you'll follow the Word of God. Luke 6 and verse 38. Give... And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, and shaken together. And running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met withal, it shall be measured to you again. Don't look now, but your attitude is showing. And today we're going to deal with the attitude of greed. The attitude of greed. By way of introduction. When we open the Bible 
you'll hear me say this once in a while, we open the mind of God. So let's look this morning to see what God is thinking about today and what is on his mind. Now, Webster defines greed as the inordinate desire for the acquisition of things. Many people, we might say, are obsessed with things. And I want to remind you, it's not necessarily bad to have things. Because Paul told Timothy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, God hath given us all things to enjoy. So that china you have from your grandma, enjoy that. That vehicle God has given you, you've worked for, enjoy that. That swimming pool, that motorcycle, whatever it may be, that cabin at the lake, by all means, please enjoy that as a Christian. But keep Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. So the Bible doesn't speak prohibitive of things, but it does tell us to to make sure that things don't get first position in our life. So the attitude of greed, many people are possessed and obsessed, rather, with things. But we must remind ourselves, as the Bible teaches us, things will pass away. And especially things that have no eternal value, we don't, be wa- don't need to be wasting the precious moments of our life in pursuit of things that have no eternal significance. Think about this. Your life is important to God, it's important to you. You're listening today, and we're grateful that you're taking time out of your life to listen to the Word of God over these airwaves. But folks, God, what He gives you eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ when you're born again, is a precious gift. But the life He also gave you through your mother's womb is also a precious gift. And what you do with that life for Him is your gift back to God. So, Dorinda, as I told you earlier this spring, retired from 34 years in federal work. And she is doing fantastic, I'm glad to report. She is a new person, loving the Lord, loving her, her life so much. She's out from under the, uh, the reins of government authority and the workload, if you would. So she's celebrating her well-deserved and well-earned 34 years of federal employment, and she's retired. So I'm glad because she goes to work with me and helps me out and is with me more often now than we've been able to be together in our 34 years of marriage. But think about what you're doing with your life. God still has a plan and a prescription and a pathway for you. doesn't matter how old you are in this life, Christian. You're still here on this earth because you can still work for Jesus. God's got a plan for you. You can witness. You can pray. You can participate in the local church and make sure that it goes forward by finding a spirit-filled minister and spirit-filled deacons and spirit-filled people and promoting unity and spirit-filled fullness within your church and reaching out and bringing people to Christ. So many people don't know the value of things and the things of value. So ask God to show you what's really important in life and what has eternal significance and then full-fledged with your life, go in pursuit of that for Jesus. Are you putting too much emphasis on things in your life? What did the wise man say? When I speak of the wise man in the Bible, I'm talking about Solomon. What did he have to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10, 
He says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. So listen to what Paul had to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. And we're dealing with the attitude of greed today. Don't look now, but your attitude is showing. And we're dealing with the attitude of greed. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Everything in this world, folks, will one day be burned up. Do you realize that? In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, here's what the Holy Spirit teaches us through Peter. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So the things that people are killing themselves for that have no eternal value are going to be burned up one day. The things you sacrifice for, the things that you thought you just had to have, and again, God is not speaking prohibitive of things and neither are we. But the position that things occupy in our life, that's what God is speaking about today. So I want to give you the appraisal of the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So today, with the time we have left, in this last installment of our series of messages, our message today has two major questions. Two major points, which are two major questions. And the first question that I propose to you, and I hope you have a pen and a piece of paper to write this down so you can study when you get done, is this. What does greed do to a person? Number one, what does greed do to a person? Well, the first point that I want to submit to you is this. It turns a person's thoughts toward their self. It turns a person's thoughts toward their self. The old country preacher was right. He said some people are like an island, self on the north, self on the south, self on the east, and self on the west. Now, can I get personal with you this morning? Listen closely. How much time each day do you spend thinking about yourself? You heard the old country preacher say this when he was speaking along this line, too, on this subject of greed, when he said, he said, you know, a greedy person, he heard a, a tale about uh, uh, a woman who was a full-fledged hypochondriac. She was a hypochondriac of epic proportions, if you would. And she goes to the doctor's office, and she's sitting in there telling the doctor for 45 minutes everything about herself and the th everything in the world that was wrong with her. And after those 45 minutes, the doctor in those days took his prescription pad out and he wrote a prescription down about what ailed her after he listened to it. He took out his pad, he wrote down a prescription, and he handed the pad back to her. Well, she took the pad and she took a look at it and she became angry and indignant. 
How dare you write this for me? This is what you recommend for me to get better? And the prescription that he had written for the lady, the hypochondriac, was he says, I want you to take a trip to Niagara Falls. Our son Brett lives in Buffalo, and he's been to the Niagara Falls. They're close by to where he lives, as you know. He said, I want you to take a trip to Niagara Falls. And she was indignant. She said, why? He said, because I want you to see something bigger than yourself. Now, folks, how much time do you spend each day thinking about yourself? People's who, people whose mouths are turned toward themselves are known as me firsts. Me firsts. And people that are me first people, they ask questions like this in everyday life. What will this do for me? What's in it for me? What values are going to give me? What can I gain from it? Me first people, folks, are the opposite of the other kind of philosophy, and that is others first people. Others first people. Others first people ask questions like this. What can I do for someone else? What can I do for Jesus Christ today? Can I bless someone else's life today? And how can I help make someone else's life better today? That's the other first people's questions. Now, others, people who are others first, they say, hey, this, I want my motto to be that I want to live my life for Jesus and serving him, and I can serve him by serving other people. That's the kind of others first approach and an attitude that God wants us to have. That's what Jesus had. God so loved us, folks, he put his creation, his favorite creation, humanity, first. When he so loved us, John three sixteen, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ, or in other words, trusteth him by faith as Savior, shall not, shall not die, but have everlasting life, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Because our God is a others first, and that's why he sent Jesus to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary. When self is the master, everyone else becomes the slave. Folks, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. The poet said it this way. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All of his wonderful passion and purity. O thou Lord divine, all my nature refine. Till the beauty of Jesus is seen in me. Can I get personal again with you? What do other people see when they look at you? Do they see Jesus? You see, me, me first people are selfish. They're greedy. They're self-possessed. They're self-centered. They're self-serving. They're self-oriented. And it's all about self. Judas was one of those people, wasn't he? He was a me first person at his root. And at his root was what? Greed. He clutched the very first bag that was handed to him. He coveted money. He was motivated by greed to sell Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. Think about this, saints. The price of the common slave in those days. Judas was motivated by greed. That's all he cared about. And in Matthew chapter number 27, in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 3, God tells us exactly about Judas and what motivated Judas's life. 
Matthew chapter number 27 and verse number 3. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 3 through verse number 5. Here's Judas's motive. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, or rather, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went, and hanged himself. That's exactly clear evidence. Judas was motivated by greed. Not only Judas, Hey, but what about Ananias and Sapphira? Ananias and Sapphira in the early church over in Acts chapter number 5. Remember them? They were also motivated by greed. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. You'll find the entire story there, but I'll round it up for you for time because time slips by real quick on this radio broadcast. At the root of Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira was greed. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read it. Acts chapter 5, verse 1, in the early church. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. These are these greedy real estate people. That's what they are, Ananias and Sapphira. And they kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? He was pretending that they had brought the entire sacrifice that they had to offer and lay it there. And God was showing to Peter, he's a liar. And he was lying not to the folks, he was lying to the Holy Spirit. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carried, carrying her forth buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. What's going on? Ananias and Sapphira. At the root of their crooked real estate deal was greed. Folks, I want to remind you today, your tithe belongs to God. He didn't recommend you do it and suggest you do it. You owe the tithe to God. That's 10% of your income. Whether you tithe on the net or whether you tithe... Tithe on the entire amount is your base is up to you, but it belongs to God, folks. God will bless you. 
The world's philosophy begins with the word get. God's philosophy, because the world says this, get all you can and sit on, put it in a can and then sit on the can. God's philosophy on economics is this. It begins with the word give. And in our text, he said in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met, with all it shall be measured to you again. The word give is mentioned 811 times in the King James Bible. The more you give, the more you'll get. The more you get, the more you'll give, and the cycle repeats itself. Trust God. Give to God. Return the tithe to Him and give of the offering, and watch what God will do for you. Bless this radio station with financial gifts as well. Folks, you shovel out, and God shovels back in. Guess who gets? Guess which one has the biggest shovel? He does. Have you read Leviticus 27 and verse 30? And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it is holy unto the Lord. And in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, 9 and 10, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? in tithes and offerings. Someone said, "Ah, I don't have to listen to that preacher. Um, That's Old Testament stuff. Well, folks, not only will a man rob God, but there are people out there that will take it off their income taxes as well. I'm telling you. Some people say, oh, those are Old Testament passages. Well, I'm going to remind you today, so Psalm 23, but you still read it and you still want to obey it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some say, ah, we're, we're, we're not going to tithe, preacher, uh, but we'll leave it, all of our money one of these days to the church in our will. Well, two things wrong with that. Number one, you'll spend most of it before you go on to be with the Lord. Number two, God cannot bless a dead donor. You want him to bless you, don't you? Do you think that God's going uh, to drop a stone at the foot of your grave that says, here lies Bill, who remembered me in his will? Do you think God's going to drop another stone on someone else's grave and says, here lies Ted, who gave after he was dead? Or how about this, here lies John, who gave nothing while alive, but in his death caught up on his tithe. Folks, give while you're alive, and I recommend you do your giving while you're living so you know, you're know you knowing where it's going. What about the rich young fool? Remember the rich young fool and. Uh, Luke chapter 12, he was consumed with greed. Judas, Ananias, Sapphira, and the rich young fool. Folks, it pays to be honest with God. Number two, we're going to move on quickly. What about greed? It tightens the person's fist, and it ties a knot in his or her purse strings. Folks, giving is a joy of your time, your talent, your treasures, your love, and your money. Jesus said what? And I love to quote Jesus. He said in Acts 20 and verse 35, rather, he was referred to, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There was a Persian proverb that said, what I kept, I lost. (coughs) What I spent, I had. What I gave, I have. Someone said when the spirit of the Savior comes in, the spirit of selfishness goes out, and greed becomes the gracious giver. Folks, that person becomes a gracious giver when the spirit of God comes in. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Many people suffer from get it, get it, always getting and seldom giving. Only the great physician can heal you of the disease of greed. Folks, God did not intend for our lives to be a reservoir. Rather, he intended for our lives to be a channel of constant flow, coming into us and flowing out of us, giving coming into us and flowing going out of us, a channel for which you can bless other people like WXAN Radio, your pastor, your church family, someone in your neighborhood or in your family. Someone said, and I quote a poem, I had a little tea party today at three. It was very small, just three guests in all. I, myself, and me. Myself, uh, myself ate all of the sandwiches while I drank all of the tea. It was also I that ate the pie and passed the cake to me. Now, how can a person who's overcome with the attitude of greed get the victory? Well, number one, I submit to you three steps. Number one, determine the source of your greed, and that is a sinful heart. It's man's number one problem. Confess it a sin. If we're faithful and just to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your greed, number one. Number two, develop a set of values based upon biblical principles and not on the world's philosophy. Many people know the price of everything, but they know the value of nothing. What about your values, friend? Are you building for time and eternity? Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. You see, making a life is more important than making a living. Finally, dedicate your life to the cause, to a cause that will out, outlive this life, and that's the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's the formula for victory over greed. 1 John 2:17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever, forever. The most valuable wealth that you can have is to know God's will in your life and to be doing God's will in your life. Ask him to show you at this stage of your life what is his will for your life. Now, what's the conclusion of the whole matter? It is this. No man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. And every man must give account of himself to God. Are you ready to stand before the Lord about this matter of greed? Are you going to become a getter? Are you a getter or are you a giver filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't look now, but your attitude is showing. The attitude of greed. Let the Holy Spirit give you the victory and become a, a giver to Christ and the ministry of Christ and to those around you. And the more you give, God will outgive you when you do it for a purpose of glorifying him. Now, Christ died on the cross vicariously. He shed his blood <coughs> in our place. <coughs> he died sacrificially for us. He took our sins upon his own body on the tree, and he was crucified on our behalf. He was our sacrifice. He died, he was buried in the tomb, and then resurrected the third day according to the scriptures. He paid my sin debt, Dorinda's sin debt, and your sin debt. And you can be forgiven because his blood will atone for your soul if you'll ask. And God, by grace, will, through faith in Christ, will save you and give you the gift of eternal life. Would you like to be saved? Bow your head right now, and from the sincerity of your heart, follow me in this prayer. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I am trusting you and you alone 
to be my personal Savior and take me to heaven. Amen. Now, if you've done that, we have some literature we'd like to give you free of charge. Email me, Dr. Dave, D-R-D-A-V-E, 1-3, at gmail.com. D-R-D-A-V-E, 1-3, at gmail.com. And I'll be glad to email you some literature, literature for Steps in a New Direction. Now, folks, we must remember this. Christ is coming, and he is good tidings of great joy to all people. Tell someone about Jesus this week. Hand out a gospel tract. Invite someone to church. Pray for someone. And remember, you're on the winning side. This has been the series called Don't Look Now, But Your Attitude is Showing. We're glad you're tuned in today. Pray for us. We're praying for you. These have been good tidings of great joy, and that is Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Keep looking up. Until next time. Oh, yes. Today's finally here. Emmanuel.